Welcome to the Co-Founders Show. I'm Delphine, your host and the Co-Founders Coach. In this first series, I'm interviewing well-established business partners who are sharing their journey, insights, challenges, and learnings of growing a business together. Allez, on y va! Let's dig into our next episode. I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Co-Founders Show. Today I am very happy to welcome David Rye and Grant Pickering, who both have a business together. It's a financial services business. It's called Pickering and Rye Financial, and it's actually powered by a bigger organization called St. James Place. David and Grant, I got connected actually with you, Grant, through a common friend we have, Joanna Lott, who's another coach and a business friend of mine, and I believe she's a good friend of yours. And when I told her I was doing this podcast about exploring the relationship in co-founders and how they use it to grow their business. She mentioned your name and suggested that you may be happy to join. So thank you both for accepting the invitation and being here. We would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit more how we all started really, how you decided to start this business together. Absolutely. Yes. Good morning or good afternoon. My name is Grant Pickering and I'm one of the co-founders of Pickering and Rye. And ultimately my role is as financial planner. So we have been working under Pickering and Rye since October 2017, which was when the business was born. And prior to that, myself and David have been working closely together since March 2015. So effectively around eight years we have known each other and mm. we have been yeah, trading as our own entity since October 2017. So coming up to six years, which has absolutely flown by and been, you know, absolutely fantastic. Lovely. What about you, David? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is David Rye, co-founder of Pickering and Rye. So very similar to Grant, really. I think the only thing I would add is, is as soon as we started working together, in 2015, when I joined the company that Grant was working for, there was an immediate connection and it didn't take long for us to realize that we could work together outside of our current employer at that time. So you used to be colleagues, that's how you met? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And what was the driver to start something together? And so I think both of us were at a point in our lives where we were considering starting our own business. The industry was changing rapidly and the business we were working for was changing perhaps in a way that, that didn't really suit our qualifications and our personalities. And then things just happened quite quickly, I would say. There was an opportunity to go and meet with somebody at St. James's Place. That then led to something else. Then business plans were put in place and it happened quickly, but organically and it felt very comfortable all the way through until we joined in the 2017. Was that actually obvious for you that you would start this business with someone else rather than try and do something on your own? Yeah I mean I guess I can kick that off initially so I'd spent nearly 19 years in my previous employment so I felt very institutionalized so the thought of actually leaving was a challenge in itself so let alone maybe setting up a business and you know starting from scratch I yeah I just couldn't really 
envisage doing that on my own. So yeah, the kind of arrival of David and us meeting almost felt like it was, you know, meant to be, if you like, in the sense of evolving my professional skills and ability. I'm not sure I ever really wanted to start a business. The agenda was never to become a business owner and to run a company. It was just to evolve in the work that I was doing in order to be able to provide more holistic financial planning advice. And the corporate that I was working for was gradually condensing their offering at a time when actually I wanted to expand. So the leaving of the corporate was to, you know, I guess, grow as an individual in the financial planning space. And it just so happened then that franchising into St. James's Place gave you that option of, well, actually, you could also run your own company. So you've got control and you can shape and, you know, devise how you wish, of course, within the framework that we have to sit within as well for regulation purposes. Yeah, I completely relate to that, actually. I think I never wanted to have my own business, neither. It's not something I had planned for years before I quit. I think it was a little bit like what you said. I was working part-time for personal reason, and I found I was constrained into opportunities. I wanted to grow, but the corporate environment was not allowing me to go the way I wanted. And I took redundancy, and that was a kick for me to get started. And that's only then that I realized wow, there's actually, I can actually do things my way. I'm not saying it was mm. easy, but it's, it's probably, it's not the first time I hear that we feel constrained in one environment and we just want to create something based on the vision that we have. So talking about that vision, for the two of you, like how much time did you spend together at the beginning, in the early days, to align on such a vision for the business? Yeah, I mean, I guess just to add on that previous point as well, you know, my time in corporate was absolutely invaluable. So, you know, the experience that that gave me was fantastic. Yeah, I think because we spent a lot of time in corporate businesses, in financial services, and, and I was at a business previous to 2015 that made me redundant, which is why I ended up working with Grant in 2015. So whilst we wanted to expand our proposition and give more advice to clients at a time when our employer was reducing its proposition that obviously fed into our vision of helping more clients in more ways but i think that the fact that we had spent so long working in very structured corporate environments served us very very well because the minute we started pickering and rye we carried over the bits of corporate life that we wanted to carry over pieces of structure that naturally felt comfortable for us and made us thrive. And our vision at the start was very joined up. It was financial advice to everybody. You see that some financial advice businesses will have certain thresholds. So you have to earn a certain amount of money or you have to have a certain level of savings. We didn't subscribe to any of that. And I think that was a very much a joined up vision. And we also wanted to make financial advice a little less formal. So we believe that the pinstripe suits, the briefcase, we don't think it's very relevant for today. And we don't think all clients warm to that. And again, that was another vision we had when we started the business. So it was about carrying over the structure of a corporate business, expanding our proposition and making this informal. 
because we're just regular people giving regular people financial advice. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. And that, that vision is still a vision we have today. And we talk about it with new clients today. That was discussed a little bit when we started, wasn't it, Grant? But again, that just, it happened very naturally. We didn't have to lock ourselves away in a room and think, right, what are we going to signpost here? What are we going to stick to? What are our beliefs? What is our vision? It was very much an agreed focus on how we were going to work together over the coming years. It's interesting what you said about the client base that you work with and making it accessible for everyone, because I think you're right. There's a bit of a, a cliche that a financial advisor is for rich people. And a lot of people with, you know, may not have millions, but still have a little bit of money and may not know what best to do with it. I think it's really extending now and becoming more and more accessible. We think so, so. yes. Yeah. And in terms of your skills, so obviously you both come from a similar industry. Uh, you probably have similar skills and competencies, but you probably also have complementary skills. And again, did you have discussion about, okay, you are really good at this. I'm really good at that. We're going to join forces to bring different skills or actually did you align on similar skills? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. I mean, I guess it, it kind of sits in all walks of life from a friendship group that you may have, a partner that you marry, a colleague at work that you sit alongside. I suppose we've never sat and done major analysis on our skill set, but I think we've naturally come to a conclusion as to our differentials in personality. So to give you an example, I can procrastinate quite a lot over certain tasks, maybe because my attention to detail is just, you know, on another level. But equally you know this can be a blessing and a curse so I would say that probably my procrastination style versus David's right you've done it that looks good get it gone send it that's a, a really good compliment because we can then meet somewhere in the middle mm. with me you know sweating over the small stuff a little more David being slightly more comfortable over that I think in addition to different skills and traits it's become apparent over the years that there's different things that we enjoy doing within the business. So one example would be, I headed up a lot of the networking events that we went to at the start. And I was quite comfortable being in a room of people that I've never met before, trying to engage with different local businesses and get some relationships in place and become reasonably successful at that in the early days. So whilst our skills complemented one another, we also targeted different tasks within the business mm. that matched our skill sets. It's an interesting one. I guess we've kept some of the corporate aspects of our day-to-day -day work. And so one of the fundamental parts of that would have been having a, a five-minute catch-up in the morning. So almost start up to the day and then a five-minute close down to the day. So we would you know, religiously have those type of interactions. But because we're in the same office, and so our office is based in a high street, so we have a shop front, and then we have a back office area for our admin staff to sit. Because we're kind of together throughout most of the day, unless we've got client meetings either in office or at home, we're kind of catching up throughout the day as things are happening. So I think, yeah, I guess communication throughout the whole day is key for us. We don't go for any of that 
style of, you know, weekly reports and trackers. That's kind of one of the things we wanted to leave when we left the corporate world on a Friday afternoon, having to submit a form and say, you've done 12 of these, six of them, two of these, you know, that style of behavior. We're not in a target driven environment. We're a people business looking after people's financial needs with no pressure and no expectation. And ultimately, as we always say at the outset with clients, this is a two-way relationship. So we need to work with you, but you need to obviously work with us. And we need to make sure that we have that common ground. So if it doesn't work for either party, this is not a problem either. You know, we part ways early on. You know, we want a client to get the most out of us. And the way that they will do that is by building a relationship. I like what you said, Grant, in terms of taking the structure that is useful for your business, but leaving mm. at the door what's not helping and what's not useful and what's not enjoyable. What would you say, if you reflect a little bit on the way you work at the moment, what could be improved, if anything? It's an interesting question. And I don't think it's a question which comes with no actual answer in that nothing needs improvement because no one's perfect at the end of the day. But... I think probably when you look at your day-to-day -day communication and your work that you do, I guess we can all improve in the little things we do, but I don't think there's anything that I could pinpoint as a specific, you know, this needs to go on an action plan or a development plan because the whole nature and vision of our business is about being individual and being ourself, true to our character. So one of the kind of strap lines we very much talk around is about making your own kind of music and staying true to yourself. And that's very much where that early day vision come from about giving advice to everyone and not having these specific rules and limits and criterias because we feel everyone is worthy and still is worthy of the ability to sit down with someone. And maybe that's not necessarily face to face for an hour and a half. It could just be a very brief phone call. We again, don't have a specific set structure on how we should engage with a client. So we will agree that with the client, whatever suits their needs best to make what they're trying to achieve as easy as possible. And I think it's something you mentioned as well before, David, that this starting this business this way suits your personalities. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Like what's important to both of you in terms of going into that adventure? So I mentioned earlier that, that we were both at a stage in our careers where we felt it was the right time to, to start our own practice. Grant had spent 19 years with a corporate. I had spent 15 years with two corporates. So there's quite a lot of experience, all in financial services. That coincided with us not being able to give advice across the full spectrum. So it felt like the right time. We were both successful with our former employers and we knew that we would make a success of this and make a difference to clients over the long term and it sounds like a cliche but there was an immediate chemistry between us two when we started working together and then there was a two-year period where certain things happened and it just felt like the right thing to do the mm -hmm. right time the right thing to do the right thing for us And it just happened pretty quick, if I'm mm. honest, pretty quick. I think one thing we may have done differently now to, to reference your previous question is we might have done a little bit more work before starting 
But that's on the benefit of knowing what we know now using hindsight, which is impossible at the time, of course. Also, there is that idea that there's so much we can do and then delay starting mm -hmm. anything and we just learn through the doing. And everything I takes just... a lot more time than you expect. So, you know, yes. you have all of these big ideas about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. But until you've actually done some of it, you can't quite really formalize what capacity you've got and what other resource you may need to support as well. Yeah, exactly. And you say it's a cliche. I don't know if it's a cliche, actually. The chemistry is actually really important because you are building that business together. It's important to have this connection. Uh, obviously, after leaving employment and starting this business together, it's a very different thing to be navigating a small business rather than being in a big, I call it the corporate ship, where you hardly feel the waves, you get paid at the end of the month no matter what. So... What has been your biggest challenge in your partnership in the first few years? What has been the hardest to navigate? Yeah, I mean, I don't really like the way David makes tea. <laughs> no, I'm joking. What's been the biggest challenge? Very important for an yeah. English person. Tea and coffee, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, David, David makes a great cup of tea. I probably think the biggest challenge is spending seven hours with someone on a day-to-day -day basis. and with that comes learning how their personality works, how your own personality works, you know, mm. what Monday morning feels like, what Friday afternoon looks like, how does that sit with David? What's his Monday morning look like? How does he feel on a Monday? And making sure that after time you're taking on board each other's quirks. Yeah. We've, we've become family, effectively, doing this. Um, we often refer to each other as brothers, which is lovely for me because I'm an only child. So there isn't really an answer to that question because I think we've just adapted to one another's personalities immediately and just kind of work. Mm. I don't think either of us would be able to work as well with any other person out there. No, I would agree. That's amazing because there's a lot of respect for each other. And would you say then that you understand each other really well? Yeah, I would say so. And I think the trust between us is unbreakable as well. I think the most important thing for any new business, when you've got a business partner arrangement such as us, is, is trust. Because without trust, you start worrying about what the other person is doing or worrying about undermining them or them undermining you. We don't, we've never had any of those concerns, have we? The no. trust has, has been solid since day one. It's actually a theme which came out in all the interviews I had so far of those established co-founders who've made it work over a period of five, six, ten years, trust is fundamental. It's fundamental with clients, but in that mm -hmm. relationship as co-founders, it's absolutely fundamental. We did. Some senior people within St. James's Place did raise their eyebrows. And the question was okay. asked, the question was asked a few times, really? Are you sure this is going to work with the two of you? Because normally people come on board to St. James's Place just themselves. <coughs> so our business model at the start was slightly different. Um, That's interesting. But, but that... the, as soon as they saw how we worked and how the business was operating, those questions immediately disappeared. And we haven't faced yeah. any questions such as that for years. Yeah, I think the, the initial reluctancy was to do with some previous partnership style of businesses which have broken up and so i guess i could see where they were coming from so we just needed to 
give them the confidence and to share our plan to make them see that actually what we were doing was the right thing for us. And as David quite rightly says, you know, the trust, but also how you schedule your business. So how your business is set up. So are you both equal or, you know, what all the behind the scenes looks like probably eventually will somewhere somehow cause a problem unless you are equal in the way that your business is run. That works really well for us. I've had other people ask me in the past about, well, how do you know that their output's going to be as good as your output? And I guess for us, we've always said one thing. And that one thing is that it's not about output because you can't dictate that so much. But what you can control is your input. So if your input is 100%, whatever the output is, this is absolutely fine. Because mm. that's all you can control at the end of the day, the energy you bring to the table on a Monday morning or a Thursday afternoon. If it's at 100%, then ultimately that's all we're looking for. That's really good to hear because, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about supporting co-founders is people work stronger together but it's not always easy to work together. It's not always easy to have that chemistry and have it on a long-term basis to really grow the business and build that trust in the long run and being able to understand, as you said, each other's quirks and different personality types. And sometimes we just need to be a bit more open-minded about how someone else is working or functioning because it could be just very different from us. And that's usually where the tensions come. Mm, yes. yeah, I think we're coming to the end now of this discussion. It's been interesting because it's not the first time I do that type of interview and I see a lot of things are obvious to you, but it's not obvious for many other partnerships. Mm. The way you accept each other, the way that you build that trust, and I can see how solid that is for you and for the business. If you were to go back in your very first year in business, and I know, David, you already sort of answered this, but specifically on your partnership, is there anything that you would apprehend differently? Specifically on the partnership? Yeah. No. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is, is not necessarily an easy answer to give, but no, genuinely. No. Yeah, nothing yeah. nothing in the slightest we, we we've kept it very simple we've been truth to each other truthful to each other i should say and where we are now looking back no i wouldn't change a thing and if you were to give one advice to other co-founders what would that be i think probably this is quite a boring answer to a question but it's something we talk about a lot with clients who are starting out in business with say another and i think the answer needs to be that you need to make sure you've got a shareholders agreement in place so you create a legal documentation which lays out what happens if many events happen in the future so if you know something happens to you and your relationship dissolves what does the business look like? Who keeps the name? What about the assets? What about this? What about that? So almost a bit like a prenuptial, but in the world of business, because if you iron that out at the start, it will probably cover off some conversations that maybe you find uncomfortable to have. But as a part of the agreement, they are fundamental. And it also means that you're both protected in the future. So there's no kind of worry later on down the line. So it's a boring answer, but I guess, you know, it, it's finance and it's important. And so for me, that would be something which I think is fundamental when starting a new business. 
I totally agree, Grant. I don't think it's boring. I think, as you say, it's fundamental. And when it doesn't happen, when people don't do it, it can lead to really serious complications yeah. when things get uh, complicated. So absolutely. So I guess you work with a lawyer to do that. Yeah, so we collaborate with lots of other professional bodies. And so for that would typically be a, a lawyer or a solicitor who would create that documentation for you. I think it's a brilliant advice. Well, thank you both very much. It was Pleasure. a delight to have you and hear how you make it all work. Thank you. Thanks You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Co-Founders Show. If you're still here, I dare to think that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did, I would be so grateful if you could give the podcast a five-star rating and leave it a positive review. You can also share it with other co-founders in your network who may learn from it. And if you have any questions or want to share your thoughts on what you've heard today, Let's continue the conversation on LinkedIn, on my profile at Delphine Coal. A bientôt!